If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, that you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. We have a son named Timothy. We named him. It means of God. And uh, we... uh, Sometimes I wish he would go back there, but uh, no, not really. He's a great son, wonderful son, and uh, we love him. But... Paul mentions Timothy, and one thing that he mentions about him in the book of Philippians, he says, there's no one like Timothy. There is no one like Timothy. Now, why would Paul make such a high commendation of a person like this? Well, we find the reason why later on in the books that he wrote to Timothy. And that's why we are in 2 Timothy right now. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 2 Timothy 1, and we're going to look at this. 2 Timothy 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, now listen to what he says about him, my beloved son. Now he was not his biological son, he was his spiritual son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, the first two verses are just full of Jesus, aren't they? I'm just full of Jesus. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. He says, I'm praying for you night and day, Timothy, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. Now listen to this. This is very important. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. And then turn with me to the third chapter, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Was anybody here last week? We talked about persecution. Anybody who desires to live in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, talking about Timothy, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and be convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. What a great passage of Scripture that we have here. Timothy's grandmother and mother 
are mentioned here. There are three generations mentioned here, grandmother, mother, and son. What a commentary on the faith of mothers. I want to point out several things about these mothers' faith. First of all, a mother's faith is convincing. A mother's faith is convincing. A careful study of Acts 16 and 2 Timothy is plain to see that these women enjoyed a faith in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, which was both scriptural and saving. A good example of convincing faith. So what about convincing faith? Well, it's a faith that is scripturally sound. A faith that is scripturally sound. Both these mothers knew the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. They taught Timothy the scriptures. They had to know them in order to teach them. Obviously, and we believe, uh, we know that both Lois and Eunice were Jewish women. So therefore, they were instructed in the word of God. We know that uh, Timothy's father was Greek, for his name is a Greek name. We know very little of his father and nothing really of his father. Mothers, wives, young women, it is so important to spend time in the word of God, day by day. Do you have a quiet time? Do you spend time with the Lord? Are you engaged in Bible study and studying the Word of God? Can you teach your children the Word of God? Can you teach them the stories? I am very proud to say that I was taught in my home. I was taught in my church. And by the time I was in high school, I knew practically every story in the Bible. Why we would talk about it going home. What did you learn in Sunday school? My brother and I would tell our mom and dad what we learned in Sunday school. They would reinforce that in, home, in our home. We were taught the Word of God. This convincing faith is a Faith which is, a sa is savingly sure. From Acts 16.1, we gather the information that Eunice and Lois were introduced to Christ on Paul's second missionary journey. Eunice is described as a Jewish woman who believed. Here and then, these two women had a convincing faith, grounded in the word of God and related to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Nothing is needed more in this land today than women who have that kind of quality of faith. An African chief wanted to know the secret of Britain's greatness many years ago. Queen Victoria, holding a Bible in her hand, told the interpreter, tell him, Tell the chief that this book, the Bible, is the secret of our greatness. Another thing, not only is a mother's faith convincing, a mother's faith is communicable. C 
communicable. It's able to be communicated. We read in 2 Timothy, call to remembrance the sincere faith from first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. However, continue in the things that you have learned. There is no one that can communicate the deep things of God to children on a daily basis like a godly mother. The father certainly has responsibility of leadership, but the example, the continual exposure on a daily basis, the mother has that ability and has that power. It's the mother who makes the deepest impression upon the children, especially in the years of infancy. Now, how is that faith communicated? It's communicated in personal instruction. The Bible says from his earliest days, Timothy was taught the scriptures. The sense of daily, com uh, daily communication of the word of God was rooted in God's instructions to his ancient people. In other words, the devout Israelite taught his children because Jehovah commanded it. I want you to look with me for just with a few scriptures from the Old Testament. Would you go with me to Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 4, 9. Deuteronomy 4, 9. Let's see what God told the Israelites. In Deuteronomy 4, 9, it says, Only give heed to yourself and to keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Oreb when the Lord said to me, Assemble the, la uh, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on earth, and that they may teach their children, that they may teach their children. All through the Bible, it talks about fathers and mothers teaching their children. Go with me to Proverbs 6.20. Proverbs 6.20. How many of you women, uh, how many of you ladies know about Proverbs 31? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. You know about Proverbs 31? I preached this, I preached from that uh, chapter one time. One time. And the reason why I haven't preached from it again is because a dear sweet lady came up to me after the sermon and said, Pastor, please don't preach that again. I said, why? It's, it's a lovely passage. She said, there is no woman on earth that can compare to Proverbs 31. Please don't preach that again. So I haven't preached it again. I may do it some, some other day. But listen to what Proverbs 6, uh, 20 says. My son, observe the commandment of your father 
and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. And then Proverbs 7, 1. Turn over there and look at it. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live and my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then 22.6, Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Even when he or she is old, he will not depart from it. This particular verse came alive to me many years ago. I went to, um, to the state of Maine to, while I was in seminary to preach uh, what we then called pioneer penetration. We went into some areas that uh, uh, that the churches were struggling. There were small churches, and I was invited to go up to Brunswick, Maine, way up north. And um, there was a man there by the name of Reginald Gordon, and uh, he was an antique dealer. He was very uh, well known in the area, and he knew everybody in every home in that community. I said, Reginald, how do you know these people? He said, well, you know, I, what, I, what I want to do, here, here's how, why I'm so successful in what I do. Uh, come springtime, people start cleaning out their basements and start cleaning out their attics, and they find an antique. And they look at that antique, and they said, this must be worth something. I need to call Reginald Gordon. And he said, so I have met and I have learned who lives in every home and if a, a new family moves in I, I go to their home and I introduce myself and I, I leave them my card. Um, he told me that his greatest uh, achievement was that he actually found a piece of furniture from the Mayflower and actually sold it to a rich Texan years ago. But that's not, that's not what I want to tell you about Reginald. We would drive along, and Reginald said, that, that guy right there, uh, he has drifted away from the Lord. But he'll be back. He'll be back. Then we'd drive along right there, and he said, this lady here, she knows the Lord, but she'll be back. And I said, Reginald, how do you know that? He said, I believe in the promise of Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when, they are, when they're old, they shall not depart from it. And this promise came so much alive to me in that day. Faith is communicated by personal instruction. Let me ask you something. How are you doing in your home instructing your children? You know what? I can tell a lot about that when I'm sitting down here with your children. You know that? The ones that are being instructed in their home quite well are the ones that respond when I ask questions. They're the ones that speak out. They're the ones that answer the questions. The ones that know the questions, they're being trained in their home. But there's another thing about faith that is 
communicated. Faith is communicated by practical demonstration. Living out the faith, both in the home and outside the home, in the church, outside the church. I heard a testimony of a man some years ago who was a, a leader in his church. And this man said, we used to argue and, and fight on our way to church there in the car with our children. And he said, I'd get out of the car and somebody would meet me and they'd say, how you doing, brother so-and-so? And he said, just fine, God bless you, hallelujah. He said, I was the biggest hypocrite that you could imagine. By the way, this man was giving his testimony to the fact of how God saved him. He was a deacon in the church. He was a leader in the church. And yet he was living such an inconsistent, hypocritical life before his family. Living it out in front of your children. Listen to this, mothers and fathers. Fathers, and it could be mothers too. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and in the instructions that come from the Lord. And then Colossians 21 says this, Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Anybody ever heard the name John Newton? John Newton wrote a particular song that we sing sometimes. It's called Amazing Grace. Have you ever heard that song, Amazing Grace? Well, John Newton. John Newton was a slave trader. He, was, he became a wicked man. But the, th the story goes that John Newton never could forget his mother at whose knee he had learned to pray. She was taken to heaven when he was only eight years of age. My mother's God, the God of mercy, have mercy on me, was often his prayer. And God answered that prayer. He saved him, miraculously saved him. And he became a pastor, and he wrote this marvelous hymn, Amazing Grace. In another family, such was the impression of a mother. Her name was Susanna Wesley. She made such an impression upon her sons, John and Charles, that she has been called the mother of Methodism. A mother's faith is not only convincing and not only communicating, but a mother's faith is commendable. Paul says, I call to remembrance the sincere faith which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. Some have suggested that perhaps Paul even stayed in the home of this family. And there he was able to observe what went on in that home. And that's why he was able to talk about the faith of Lois and Eunice. He was able to observe them. He was able to see their faith demonstrated live. But a faith that is commendable has a lasting influence of a mother. Paul says, I call to remembrance the sincere faith which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Have you ever considered that the most priceless treasure a man or a woman has is their faith? 
their faith that they can pass on to their children and they, their grandchildren. The world may cry, what is man without money? But God cries out, what is man without faith? Remember the only thing by which all the heroes of the Old Testament are remembered in the 11th chapter of Hebrews is their faith. We read, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Sarah, by faith Rahab, and so on and on and on and on. F.B. Myers once said, it's not the quantity of faith, but it's the quality of faith that is important. A grain of mustard seed and a pellet of dust are similar in appearance, but the difference is, is immense. The one has no life burning at the heart of it, while the other contains life as God kindled it. Faith that has in it the principle of life is a faith with God in it. And then, a commendable faith is the living revelance of a mother's faith. Paul says, I call to remembrance the sincere faith which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Times may change and fashions may alter. But mothers are never out of date. There is a living relevance in a mother's faith because no one in all the world adapts herself to the day in which she lives like a mother and her children. Someone said this, a space-age mother needs to keep her feet on the ground and her heart in the heavens. The man in the moon will never replace the man in the home with a dedicated wife working with him to raise a Christian family. I want to read to you, I discovered this in my mother's Bible. Um, when my mother passed away, I think it's been three years now, four years, four years, didn't it? Uh, uh, four years ago, I was going through my mother's stuff, and in her Bible, uh, she had handwritten her testimony. I don't know why she had, uh, had handwritten it. It may be in a, uh, an assignment, maybe in a witnessing class or something like this. And so I showed it to Sandra, and she typed it up so I could read it better. And I want to read to you my mother's testimony. I thank God for convicting me of my sins at an early age of 10 or 11. Both my parents became Christians after they married. Mama was baptized in the Natchez River. They saw to it that, we, that all of our children, all six of us, attended Sunday school and church even when they could not. I remembered so vividly some of the experiences and teachings of some of my early teachers and pastors as, as well as words of wisdom from my parents. The night I made my profession of faith was during a three-week revival. Let me stop right there. We used to have revivals that lasted 21 days. And then they went down to two weeks, 12 days, or 14 days. Then they went down to eight days. Then they went down to four days. And now they're down to zero days. Most churches don't have them anymore. They don't have prolonged meetings in which people can continually hear the Word of God. I just wanted to point that out to you to show you the, 
the, the, the change that we've had. I remember the preacher's name was Brother Martin. My parents, on the way to the revival, drove by the scene of a certain, of a car train wreck where several people were killed. Mama that day had kept the baby of one of the victims or, or else a relative. I'm not sure. It was a terrible experience for me, and all I could think of during church was that it could have been me. I could hardly wait until the invitation to go forward in tears making my decision. It was really revival. There were so many to be baptized that they had a special Sunday afternoon baptismal service. Lois, Eunice, and Athelie Sanderson were among those baptized. I remained faithful as long as I was in school, but began to slip away while attending college. Then I got a job working seven days a week. But even during my heyday of frivolous courting days, uh, and now my mother wasn't a wild woman, let me tell you. I mean, they, I mean, I don't know why she wrote that in there, but anyway, my mother wasn't a wild woman, I, I don't think. Okay, maybe she was, but, or maybe she thought she was. Uh, but even during my heyday of my frivolous courting days, I remember every night when I went to bed, I prayed and asked God to please lead me and guide me into the right path and to lead me to the right person for a lifetime mate. Then I met TJ. That's my daddy. That's my daddy, TJ, okay? Uh, his name is Thomas Jefferson. My name is Thomas Lynn. They didn't want a Thomas Jefferson III, so they named me Lynn. I was corresponding with someone, Felix, who I had dated during high school. He really cared for me, showered me with gifts and love letters. He had written that he was coming to see me soon and would be bringing two rings. I did really like him and he was courteous and a marvelous dancer. My mother liked to dance, okay. I was devastated though because I had met TJ on a blind date and I had only dated him a few times and I wasn't certain about spending the rest of my life with Felix. Thank God. Okay, I really prayed. Now she didn't put that in there, I just put that in. I really prayed for God to give me the right decision. Next day I wrote Felix telling him not to come that I wasn't ready to be engaged. It was the hardest decision of my early life, but I know now it was God God had planned. He answered my prayers by saying, wait. Now, could I tell you how my mom and dad got married? He was staying in a, um, a uh, what do you call it? Um, he had a, it was an apartment type thing, and uh, a boarding house, yeah, it, it was kind of like a hotel that they served food and all that. And he had a good friend, and his good friend uh, uh, said, Hey, TJ, I'm going to uh, go get married to, to this woman, the woman he was dating. He said, You and Ed do want to go get married? And he said, uh, Yes. And so he called up Mother. He said, Do you have a nice dress? She said, Why? He said, We're going to go get married this afternoon. And that was their engagement. I mean, he had not asked her to marry him. That was the first thing. She got her best dress on, and they went down to the Justice of the Peace, and uh, uh, these two got married that day. Uh, that's how my mom and dad courted and were married. After T.J. and I married, 
We knew we needed to be in church, but spent most of our weekends camping or visiting family. But most of the weekends, we tried to make the evening church service. We even tithed our income, but gave little of ourselves. After TJ returned from service, the military, six years after our marriage, we began our family. Yo. <laughs> we enrolled the boys in Sunday school, probably just to get us out of their hair, probably. But we were still somewhat irregular in attendance. But I think that's that after Mama's battle with breast cancer, we felt more obligated and a desire to be more faithful. We were both offered places of service and have served him to the best of our abilities ever since. I've often thought of how Mama took first place in our hearts until God took her home. Then we had Jesus. And her last words were, Papa died four years later if a bro of a broken heart that probably caused by a stroke. That was my mother's testimony. It's a great testimony that uh, she left with us. Her, her life uh, was a testimony. I mean, mother took us to Sunday school. We had vacation Bible school. I'll never forget. My mother was the superintendent or the, um, uh, what do they call them? Director of a Sunday school department. 11 years old, I remember this. She was my Sunday school director. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I don't think I've ever forgiven my mother for this. One Sunday morning, she said, would you sing in the Sunday school department this morning? And I said, what? What? She said, the Sunday school lesson is about the cross of Christ. And would you sing this morning? Well, I couldn't turn my mother down. And so that morning, I took a hymn book. My first solo in, ch in church was actually in Sunday school. I sang the old rugged cross. I'll never forget that as long as I live. William McKinley, as a lawyer, congressman, and governor of Ohio, and later president of the United States, kept in touch with his mother every day. When he didn't see her, he wrote or telegraphed. In mid-October in 1897, he quietly left the White House and took a train to Canton, Ohio, just to walk to church with his mother. Then one night she called for her son, and he went to her immediately, and Mrs. McKinley died December the 12th, 1897, in the arms of her son. Her gentle Christian virtues helped mold the president's character. For when he was gunned down in Buffalo, New York, he showed no bitterness toward the assassin. With Christian courage, he said, God's will be done. Before he died, he asked to hear once more again the hymn, Nearer my God to thee, which his mother had taught him. Let us see to it that mothers of our generation know a faith in God's Word and in His Son, Jesus Christ, which is convincing, which is communicating, which is commendable. Only then can we sing, 
Faith of our mothers living still in spite of darkening days of doubt. Oh, how our beings glow and thrill when the word of faith is sounded out. Faith of our mothers, gift of grace, born of the Spirit from on high, nourished by Scripture, strong to face, forces of evil when they are nigh. Faith of our mothers, Lord, preserve this priceless treasure to us all, that through our families we may serve duty or danger when they call. So bless our mothers, everyone. Bless them for holy faith and love. God, bless them now for work well done. Then honor them in realms above. All ladies, young and old, it's time to dedicate yourself to living a life of faith in and out of your home. To be an example of love and dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ first in your life? Not until Jesus was first in my mother and father's life did their life change and did their, their influence change and did they have impact upon their sons and the people around them. Is Jesus Christ first in your life? I want us to pray right now. I want us to pray, and I want all of us to right now dedicate our lives to following and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it may be that you can't do that because you're not a child of God. You have never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never repented. You've never turned from yourself, from your old life, from your old self, from sin, and come and accepted the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Jesus Christ. You can do that today. You can ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you and to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. But I, I'm also inviting you ladies, are you men, everyone, is Jesus Christ first in your life? Are you following him totally, completely? Are you leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus? He wants you. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe in him. Have faith. Have faith. Father God, I pray for each and every person here right now. I pray that they will dedicate their lives to you completely and totally. Some have wandered away from that complete dedication, that complete surrender. Some don't, don't even know you, Lord, as you have revealed yourself to them. I pray that they will receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name we pray.